Hi, I'm Dave Scott. I'm pastor of Crossway Community Church, and I want to welcome you. Crossway is a church simply committed to making disciples. We meet at 1501 Woodbury Road. It's off of Colonial and Fort Wayne in East Orlando. Come check us out. I look forward to meeting you. Well, good morning. We're in our series in the Gospel of John, and we're really trying to spend some more time with Jesus, just as John did, to get to know him in a deeper way. And we come to John chapter 5. And uh, as uh, Ray was just reading, um, it says that after this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And now in Jerusalem there was a sheep gate, a pool, there was a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda. And once there was, uh, there, once one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said, do you want to be healed? The man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps before me. And Jesus told him, Get up, take your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed and took up his bed and walked. It says that there was a pool uh, that in Aramaic, it was Bethesda. Uh, Aramaic is, is the language that Jesus actually grew up speaking in his home. Um, and uh, in, in Aramaic, Bethesda means the outpouring. Uh, so for a hundred years, there were critics of the Bible who said that this pool did not exist, that it there's nowhere in Jerusalem, and it was made up. And just like the stories of Jesus were made up by his followers later on after his life, that was what they said, because it didn't exist. But then they found the Dead Sea school, Scrolls in Qumran, and in the Dead Sea Scrolls, it referenced this same pool called Bethesda, and it said that it was near the fortress. Um, and it was about uh, in the last several decades that they actually found, uh, doing excavations in Jerusalem, what is the Pool of Bethesda. Uh, the reason why is because uh, there, uh, it was below the ground because of all of the uh, debris when Jerusalem was destroyed. Now Jerusalem, the one that we know, is built on top of that. And so as they dug down, they found the porticos. Uh, and sure enough, it's right by the fortress of Antonio and uh, by uh, the wall and near the gate. Uh, and so there's five porticos. Uh, there's two pools. Uh, it's fed from the pool of Solomon. And the interesting thing about this uh, the, uh, pool, this area, is it's actually what in Hebrew is called a mikvah. A mikvah is a, a pool for ceremonial cleansing. Um, and uh, every, uh, well, not every, but, but a lot of uh, synagogues will have what's called a mikvah. Mikvahs are where uh, you go take a ceremonial bath. It comes from uh, water that has to uh, come naturally, not, not just uh, out of a well. But uh, usually for me, the, some running water or rainwater um, that used, they used to fill it. And so this is where the Jews would go in an act of repentance, um, a ceremonial cleansing. And this is 
uh, an early model of, of where our uh, uh, baptism comes from, the same idea of repentance and, and the use of water to symbolize that. And, of course, that's important because uh, Jesus here is uh, giving cleansing, right? And, uh, uh, and so significant that he did this at a mikvah, a ceremonial cleansing pool. Now, the, uh, in John, the identity of Jesus is the key, right? We've been talking about that. How in John 1, he was the word made flesh. In John 2, he was Mary's son, a human being, right? A man. He was God and he was man. He was God and he does miracles. He's, this isn't any ordinary person. Um, and then the son is lifted up in John 3, uh, just even as the serpent was in the wilderness. And we begin to see the prefiguring of the cross. John 4, he's the living water, right? But here in John 5, we see Jesus as the healer as the Son of God doing the Father's work. Jesus is a healer. And if Jesus is a healer, only God can heal, right? Uh, Nicodemus made that observation. And so that means that Jesus is God. Jesus is our God healer. He's our healer. And, uh, you know, God can heal us. And sometimes he does heal us. He doesn't guarantee to heal us. Uh, but and Jesus didn't even heal everybody in his day. Um, but uh, you may not know this, but when I was in first grade, uh, I started developing uh, really bad headaches. And uh, so bad, I remember them to this day. And so my mom took me to the doctor. And they, and they ultimately took me to the hospital to be checked out. And they found a, a mass in my brain. And uh, uh, they said that, you know, I had a brain tumor. And so my mom and dad got all of their friends in their church praying for me. And I was in the hospital, and they were going to do a biopsy uh, on it. Uh, but that morning, they did one more scan, and it was gone. And since that day, I have never had another problem. Donna says it explains a lot that I had a brain tumor. But, <laughs> uh, but so God can heal, but he doesn't promise to heal, right? Even the people that Jesus healed in his day ultimately died of something. Um, but God is a healer. Uh, and we see him in this story healing. Um, uh, but it, it verse, it said, verse 3, it says that there was a multitude here of invalids who are blind, who are lame, who are paralyzed. To get well, you first have to see yourself as sick. You have to realize that you're sick. Um, the word paralyzed means that they were withered or dried up. These are people whose bodies were withered with disease. And we know that they were also spiritually sick because in verse 14, Jesus talks to the man and tells him to stop sinning. So Jesus is not just dealing with physical healing. He's also addressing spiritual healing. And all of us have places in our hearts and in our lives that are spiritually disabled, that, that have become paralyzed and frozen. Um, you know, uh, is there parts of your life that spiritually haven't moved in years or recently? Uh, all of us need to ask that question. You know, have we sat in church in some area of our life not changed year after year, Sunday after Sunday? Because we need to keep growing, right? Uh, we don't need to be paralyzed. So the same Jesus, the man who healed this man at the pool of Bethesda, he's here today. And, but God cannot fix us if we do not see that we are sick, right? 
We need to see that they're sick. Where are you sick? Where are you spiritually paralyzed? The most dangerous person is someone who doesn't realize that they're sick and broken. They don't realize their need. And that was the case with the, with the Pharisees, right? They didn't really think that they, need, they needed Christ. Um, but, uh, you know, and the saddest thing is when we as a Christian who hasn't grown in years, who's stuck in the same place. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's two mistakes we can make. One is that to believe that I'm, I'm good enough and I'm not really broken anymore. Uh, or we can believe that we're too broken and that Jesus, there's no way that Jesus can heal us on either end of the spectrum. Um, and one of the hardest things for us, but yet one of the most crucial things in the Christian life is to embrace our brokenness. Embrace the fact that we need Christ. Um, because church is a place where we need to be able to, to take our mask off, right? To, to uh, uh, be real before God and one another. Realizing that we're sick is, is a critical step to spiritual wholeness. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The New Living Translation said, Blessed are those who realize their need for him. The message says, Blessed are those who, when you're at the end of your rope, with less of you, there's more of God and his rule. Where are you at the end of your rope? Where do you need God? Because realizing our need is a prerequisite for spiritual growth, personally and as a Christian community, as a church. Um, well, verse 5 goes on to say, and, here, in the, uh, uh, and this, this is the key here. Jesus is the focus of who he is. He's our healer. And then we need to ask, why should I live differently in light of the fact that Jesus is the healer? How will that change my life here today? Well, verse 5 goes on and says that uh, one man who was there who had laid there for, for 38 years. Um, and so you have to see yourself as sick, first of all. But secondly, you need uh, to get well. You, want to want, you have to want to be healed. You have to know that you're sick, and you have to want to be healed, right? Because being sick uh, becomes, became normal for this man. He'd been sick for 38 years. It, it was his normal life. Um, and it's very easy for us to begin to think of our coping ways, our broken ways of dealing with life as normal. Um, in the sixth state, uh, to accept you know, uh, frozen parts in our marriages or in our families. Um, and sometimes, you know, it just feels easier to be in denial and not even acknowledge those things. We live as if nothing's wrong, even though we're dying inside. Our dysfunctions become comfortable to us. And so it's a sad thing when years can pass with us, years and time wasted with us just sitting there. This man had sat there for 38 years. And verse 6 says that, um, uh, uh, verse 7 goes on to say that the, the sick man answered, Sir, I have no one put me in the pool when the water is stirred, while I'm going, another one steps in. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Being made well also comes from an encounter with Christ, the true healer. We need to have an personal encounter with Jesus. And that's why we're here in the Gospel of John. We want to have a more deep 
personal encounter with Christ, right? Um, uh, that, uh, and so we need to come into his presence mentally to bring our lives to him, right? And lay them at his feet at the foot of the cross. Christ is here. We know that, right? He said he'd never leave us nor forsake us. He's present. But many times we are not present to him. And so we need to have an encounter with Christ. We need to come to him in prayer and, and bring those frustrations in our life, right? The difficulties in our life to him, to allow him uh, to speak to us and to heal us. Um, and uh, uh, even as he did the man here. Well, verse 9 goes on to say that now... That day was the Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It's the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to take up your bed. And he answered, The man said, The man who healed me, that man is the one who said, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is that man? Take up your bed and walk. Now, the man who had been healed uh, did not know who Jesus was, for Jesus had withdrawn from that place uh, because there was a crowd there. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. And the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. Notice in verse 14, Jesus tells him to sin no more, that nothing may happen to you. Um, in verse 15, it says the man went away and he told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. Physical healing without spiritual healing is not wholeness. Jesus addresses the man's need for spiritual healing, spiritual transformation, right? And it's interesting that if all, of, of the many miracles that Jesus did, think about the attitude of this man. What happened? He goes to the temple. They say, you shouldn't pick up your mat and walk. What does he say? And Jesus did it. He, put, he throws Jesus under the bus. But he doesn't know Jesus' name. He doesn't even know the name of the person who changed his life after 38 years. And when he finds out Jesus' name, because Jesus sought him out, what does it say that he did? He told the Jews that it was Jesus. Jesus had just told him to stop sinning, and what does he do? He goes back to the Jews to tell him that it was Jesus because he knew that they uh, were upset about this. The man didn't see his need for spiritual healing. And he was physically made well, but spiritually he was not because his heart was not in the right place. We need spiritual wholeness, spiritual healing. We need Jesus to touch us and to change us from the inside out. Well, uh, uh, now, it's interesting if you look at this passage, what was it that the Jews were upset about? It's because it was the Sabbath, right? They said, it's the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to do this. So that's why they were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. You know, Jesus addresses different kinds of disease. Uh, physical disease, he addressed sin in this man's life. Jesus speaks to sinners in many other places, right? He, 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 we know that he ate with sinners. But he also speaks to those who are religious because there's a different disease right here in the text. This is a religious disease. They have Sabbath legalism. Sabbath legalism is a sick spiritual paralysis. That's what these 
Jewish leaders had. They were fixated on their rules. Because the Bible says that we should uh, keep the Sabbath holy, they had developed a whole series of rules about what was work and what was not work. And carrying your mat was considered work. Uh, and so they said that that's why this man should not have done it. Well, does the fact that you didn't carry your mat today, does that make you a more spiritual person? No. And many times we have similar rules, cultural rules, things that are never in the Bible that we write. They're the unwritten rules, even about church. One of the biggest challenges for us in church and trying to grow as a church is that we come here with our preconceived ideas about what that should look like. And there's all different kinds of ideas, even as, even as these Pharisees had their rules, what they expected you do and what you don't do on Sunday. Do you mow your lawn on Sunday? In the South, that used to be a taboo, right? Uh, uh, you know, what do you wear to church? When I grew up, I had a three-piece suit. I had patent leather shoes, and I wore a hat. My kids have no concept of what that was like. But does that make me more spiritual? Or if I wore jeans today, would that make me less spiritual? Do we have a cross in the church? Some denominations say you shouldn't have a cross. Some say you should have a cross but have Jesus on it. Some say you should have a cross without Jesus on it. Do these rules make any difference? Does it make a difference whether we have instruments? There's some denominations that are about having not having instruments. What about but contemporary music versus hymns? You should have hymns. You shouldn't have hymns. You should have contemporary worship. You shouldn't have, you shouldn't have a guitar. You shouldn't have drums. We make all of these rules up, right? But that's not what it's really about because they don't change us. They may make us feel comfortable because this is convention. This is what we're used to. But what's the most important thing is the truth about our hearts and having an encounter with Christ, Right? worshiping God, that he's the one who's glorified, not our traditions, not our rules. Uh, and so, you know, does it make it better that we don't have, that we do have responsive readings? No. Uh, what about those people who say we shouldn't have responsive readings? Well, if, if either one of us makes that a rule, right, then we're putting that above what the actual content of that really is all about. Right? Because these are, just, these are just tools that we've developed. And, and they're not good or bad. It just depends upon whether they're helpful in a given situation or not. So, but we can't make them into sacred cows. Because as Christians here, uh, and in many churches, you know, churches have split over the colors of the curtains before. <laughs> Unfortunately, right? Um, but we need to really be about life change. We need to be about coming to the scripture, coming to God and coming in worship with our open hearts. Um, we don't need to have Sabbath legalism like the Pharisees did. Instead, our hearts really need to be like Jesus was, about touching and changing and healing lives, about wholeness, shalom, right, restoration. That's why we're here. This church is just like the Pool of Bethesda. This is a portico for sinners, for broken people to come, right, to be healed. Right for God to grow our lives. And the cross of Christ is bigger than my sin, and it's bigger than your sin, and it's bigger, uh, it's bigger than any of the challenges that we face. Right? God is powerful to heal. It's the power of God unto salvation. And so, just like that man, it's time for us to pick up our mat and walk. Right?
to come and to surrender all to Christ. God, we come to you and we come with um, our lives and we yield before you. We submit to you just as we are, just as I am, as that song says, Lord. We come to you. Lord, we come to you as our healer because we need you to, to touch us, to change us, to grow us, Lord. And we know you're in the process of that. You promised that in Philippians, Lord, that you will, um, you're faithful to complete the process that you've begun in us even into the day of Christ Jesus. And we claim that, Lord, and we thank you for that. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for joining us today and listening to this message from Crossway Community Church. Once again, we meet at 1045 on Sunday mornings at 1501 Woodbury Road, which is just off Colonial and 408 in East Orlando. Come check us out. I'll see you then.